I am so excited to welcome and introduce to you Dr. Isla Tassi from Kenya. Dr. Isla is the founder and leader of Lifeway Mission International, which is on the cutting edge of one of the most amazing movements of God happening on the planet. There, there are thousands of churches and people coming to Christ, disciples being made throughout East Africa. We are so privileged to be able to partner with Lifeway. If you remember our Take Back Black Friday offering a year ago provided motorcycles, the church on wheels they call them, for their church planters and for the churches to do their ministry and audio Bibles for the Samburu people that we, and last year on our mission trip, we were able to, to deliver those. And if you were here, you saw the pictures of those. And we also have an ongoing partnership with Lifeway to join with the Samburu leaders in the Samburu church in Northern Kenya to help them to take the gospel to other places. So you're gonna be hearing more about our partnership uh, throughout the coming months. And then the last thing I wanna do before Dr. Isla shares is tell you we have a lunch right after this service and Dr. Isla is gonna be talking more about the ministry of Lifeway, disciple making movements and how we can learn and some transferable principles for our ministry. So even if you didn't sign up for lunch, Please join us. We have plenty of food, and it'll be a wonderful time to continue this. Dr. Isla, thank you. Let's welcome him to our church today. Good morning. I want to greet you in Swahili. If you've been to Kenya or East Africa, few of you have been there. So can I say Jambo, and then you respond by saying Jambo? Jambo. Jumbo again? Jumbo. Okay, good. Uh, that makes me to feel home here, so. <laughs> good, so my name is Ayla. I'm from uh, Nairobi, Kenya. I'm married to Turu. Uh, we've been married for 24 years this year. And I came over two weeks ago with one of my son, Joshua, who was uh, just joined a school in Nebraska, in the cornfield of Nebraska. And so I dropped him off there, very new. But I also have another son who goes to school in uh, Lee University in Tennessee. So part of me lives here in U.S. because two of my sons are here. I have three children, so only remain with Miriam. So those are beautiful people. You can see, right? Jo Moses and Joshua lives here and then Miriam. And so those are my families. And... Uh, uh, my wife is joining us online, praying for me while I'm sharing with you today. So thank you for your partnership uh, as a church. Um, uh, Pastor John has already said, uh, thank you for coming alongside the Samburu people. Uh, the Samburu people are one of the enriched people groups in Northwest Kenya. And uh, in the last few years, we've seen a great movement of God raising indigenous leaders who are making disciples planting churches, and taking gospel to the regions beyond. And so coming alongside this kind of people in places that you cannot find missionaries. But God is raising new type of missionaries from the mission field. If you all know, maybe read in Luke 10 verse 2, in sending disciples, Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise more workers. And you've ever prayed that prayer, God is raising more workers from the mission field. Unusual places where normally you don't see missionaries, that God is raising new kinds of missionaries. So this morning my sharing will be alongside that line, God of new beginnings. 
God, God has new things to do in our world today. It seems to be, maybe there are no new things. Sometimes we feel that way, but for me, even being here and, and, and learning together with you, all I want to share with you today is new things. God of new beginnings. And so, uh, as, uh, as I serve in that part of Northern Kenya and East Africa, uh, our ministry, LifeWay, is an indigenous ministry. It started way back in the, on the last town on the border of Kenya and Ethiopia. So if you have your map, you go to the town called Moyale. And it's a very unusual place to start ministry. Um, from my background, I didn't want to start a ministry because I'm a Muslim background. I'm a Muslim. I was raised up as a Muslim. So thinking about a ministry is the last thing. Actually, I didn't want to be a Christian. When a teacher in high school approached me with the gospel, and even today I wonder whether I became a Christian because he introduced me to Jesus, to, to, to sharing with me that Jesus forgives sin. As a Muslim, I didn't have a reason to become a Christian. I had a religion, I pray five times a day, and did all the things that I was taught growing up to do, and I was faithfully doing that. And so when I became sick and I was dying in the hospital, this Christian teacher who came up to the north within uh, in the Islamic community came to the hospital desperately when I was waiting to die. He challenged me with a question. If you die today, Brian, where will you spend your eternity? And that's something that religion has never taught me. Everything is dependent on. And I knew this teacher is a Christian. He's an infidel. The very first day he came to the class, he wrote on the board and he said, my name is Francis. I'm a born again Christian. And we didn't like him after that because all of us in the class, none of us were Christian. And we were taught growing up, I was taught that Christians are infidel. Christians are people that worship tree gods. Christians brand people. I had so much negative about Christianity that I can never be a Christian. And so I responded to the teacher and told him I don't want to be a Christian when he started sharing about his faith with me. But much more, he said, and your sins can be forgiven. That's kind of the last statement that he made when he realized that I was not really listening to him. But something drew me to this man. He came with a piece of bread and milk and he showed me love at the place where I had no hope. My parents were not there and I knew that I was dying of cerebral malaria and I had yellow fever and I know, and he, he was, the teacher was told by the principal that I will not make it. And so with that, he came and shared the gospel with me. The thing that drew me to Jesus, and I became a follower of Jesus since then, is the word that he said, and your sins can be forgiven. I came to Jesus because Jesus offered, offers the forgiveness of sin. Not because I wanted to be a religious person, because I had one. So me being here today is to share with you that journey of mine and all I will be doing in this service as I look, we look together at the scriptures is to share about my own personal journey. So my reading this morning uh, comes from the book of Isaiah uh, 43. I will read for all of us. Uh, verse 14, if you have 
And I'll read from NIV, Isaiah 43, verse 14 to 21. Isaiah 43, verse 14 to 21. I'll read from NIV. It says, verse 14, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians and in the ship in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your God. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your King. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. Verse 17, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there never to raise again, extinguished, snuffed out, like a week. Verse 18, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wastelands. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls. Because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wastelands, to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Dear God, thank you so much for your word today. As we open your word and listen to your voice, we pray that, Lord, you'll speak to each one of us the situation that we are in. We are here to listen and learn from you. The word says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word proceeded from your mouth. So God, as we sit here and listen to you, Lord, let this word be a bread of life to us. In Jesus' name. The reason why, uh, as I was coming to this place and visiting, um, and a, a wonderful time of visiting with John, and as well coming here to appreciate um, I get this privilege of sharing the word of God. And I was asked to share my mind rush to this verse. Because God used this verse to call me into the ministry of reaching the people groups, making disciples and planting churches. As I shared with you, I, I grew up in a Muslim home. I grew up going to the mosque. I did everything. Up until I was in high school, when I heard that Jesus forgives sin. And after following Jesus secretly for nine months, they found out about my new faith. I remember that Sunday morning when my dad and the family came together to confront me on my new faith. The question my dad asked me that day is, why did you change? Why did you betray your religion? Why did you deny it? And I'm sitting there, the guy who introduced me to Jesus is not there. He went back to school because he was an intern at the university. And I'm way far there. I had no believing community around me to give me strength to respond to a question that was coming from my dad and my family and of people of the faith. 
I was not able to respond for a few minutes. I gathered the strength. And the teacher introduced me to Jesus said, if one day they will ask you, do not be afraid to tell them. Because at, at the time of discipling me for three months secretly at the school after I left the hospital, he told me to do three things every day. He said, pray every day and talk to God. Secondly, he said, read the Bible. And he gave me my Gideon pocket Bible, the blue pocket Bible. Mine was blue. I don't know whether yours is black, but I have it on my table even today. That was my first Bible. And third, he told me, share with others what happened to you. I prayed my Bible. I prayed every day to God. I prayed. I, I read my Bible and I couldn't share because of where I was. I know if they find out I'll be in problem. It can even cost me my life. So I wouldn't share. For nine months, I kept on going to the mosque, telling God, I'll do this because of the fear. But yet when they found out and put me under pressure, I wouldn't deny that day. It's a long story that I was forced out of my home for many years. I lived away from home, away from my community. And I was challenged so much that I could not talk to my people. I could not go home. The people in the community branded me a betrayer. I would walk on the streets and I would hear them call me names. They called me branded, bought, betrayer. Others actually attempted on my life a couple of times. It was a very difficult time for me. After I finished high school, one day I asked God, it was on a Wednesday, I asked God, I want to have an appointment with you. I don't know whether you've ever treated God like a friend, because that's what I was told at least. God is a father. For the first time when I was taught about the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, I started personalizing God that when you talk to God, he will talk back to you. That's not what religion taught me. I was praying to somebody or to something that I, I, I have no contact with. No, I, I could not personalize. But so God is a father. The teacher told me, you talk to him, he'll talk back to you. So this very day, I took a bold step and said, God, can we have an appointment? So I said, next week on Wednesday at 10 o'clock, I'm going to this camping site and I want to meet with you and you've got something to tell me. So I waited for that week to come. The very morning on the day of appointment, I took my Bible, I took my notes, and went straight to the forest where I had asked God for an appointment. So I was sitting there. I actually went a bit earlier because I knew God will not be late for an appointment. <laughs> In my culture, we know that when you appoint somebody and you said it's at 10, you likely appear at 11 and it's still okay because I was able to appear. Time conscious is not really so much a part of my culture. And so I told God at 10, and I knew God means business, so he will come at 10. I went a little bit earlier, different from how I practice in my culture. So I went to this place with my Bible. I laid it down, and I closed my eyes, sitting there waiting for God. All of a sudden, that exact time, I felt the presence of God all around me. This is the experience I had. And I was closing my eyes, and now I feel his presence. 
And he said, why did I invite him here? Now I'm going to die because the scripture says nobody will see God and live. And I was so much scared because now God is here. And the true experience that I had in that place that you call on God, even today, he can respond and he will respond. And so at that very time, I saw a big screen coming down and I'm sitting this, the vision, the same experience that Peter had in Acts chapter 10, the piece of cloth that dropped. For me, it was like a big screen. And on that screen, I saw all the people that persecuted me and I would hear a voice telling me, forgive and bless them. As I continue doing that, I see bitterness leaving me, all kinds of things. And then right, <laughs> that went for minutes and minutes, 22 hours. And all of a sudden, I found myself standing in the middle of a desert in northern Kenya. If you go on the map and Google did Galgalu or Galgalu Plains, I know that place because it is in between the town that I was brought up and the town I went to school. It's a desert, a huge desert flat rocks and I found myself standing there and I didn't know how I got there and I looked around and I said to myself how did I got here so I walked started walking around the tree went back to pray again I found myself back in that desert and a voice spoke to me and asked me if a cabbage can grow in this place this is a place that is dead rocks stones Grasses don't even grow. There is no trees. And I'm hearing this voice asking me if a cabbage grow. And I thought, why am I thinking crazy things today? Why am I seeing all these things? And all of a sudden, while I'm listening to this voice and standing there, I saw cabbages coming through the rocks. And all of a sudden, the desert became so green because cabbages covered the whole place. And I was led to these books, the, to the words of Isaiah chapter 20, 43, while standing there. These scriptures came to me. Forget the former things. Behold, I will do new things. I will cause rivers in the desert. So I left that place of prayer that day, not knowing what a cabbage in the desert would mean because in the deserts of northern Kenya, we don't have Cabbages. Actually, in cabbages, we don't have. We have to bring cabbages from somewhere else. But yet, God did not exactly mean the real cabbages. In that, the same desert lived 14 people groups. Kenya has 43 tribes. 26 are in the categories of unreached. 14 of the 26 are in the desert. And I speak almost most of the languages of the people in the desert and literally, God is saying, I am going to do something new in this desert because among these people, there are no churches, there are no missionaries. And God is saying, I am going to grow cabbages in the desert. God wanted to do something new among these people and said, I am going to grow. So for me, Isaiah 43 became a scripture that led me because by Accepting that, I went back to the same town where I accepted Jesus as a high school student and started a small church among the Muslim people that became, started sending these leaders. And today, all the tribes, the 14 tribes in that desert have come to the Lord Jesus Christ and there are missionaries and church planters working among them. It is possible with God. And so as I reflect on that with my crossroads, 
at the point I ask God for an appointment. There could be people even in this place today at my, at, at, maybe at a crossroad. So as I was reading this, the book of Isaiah kind of gives us things that we can learn from and relate it to our own lives. God of a new beginning. To me, God gave me a new beginning. And that places in the Bible we read about that when God called Abraham and his wife to go down in Genesis chapter 12. It's like God was starting a new beginning. Everything that we read before Abraham seems to be a failure. There's, there's this generation, they fell and there is this. God was doing all kinds of things. And then now we see God calling Abraham to start a new beginning with Abraham. Later on, we also read Abraham has his own failures and things like that. But yet, always, when God calls us and does something in our life, we screwed it up. Then God again give us another chance of a new beginning. To me, it did. I'm growing as, as a Muslim, hopelessness, kicked out of homes. And I thought, like, this is the end of my life. I'm kind of thrown away. Nobody wants me. And God said, I'm going to use you to plant cabbages in the desert. Actually, God saying, I'm going to do things that seems to be impossible. The nation of Israel had their own challenges. And when we read about the stories of Isaiah, Isaiah was a prophet that did talk to the nation because of the them becoming rebels, you know, sinning and all kinds of things. He gave a prophecy. I don't think many of us read the book of Isaiah so much except during Christmas time. We like reading Isaiah 6, Isaiah 9, to talk about Emmanuel and all those things. But for me, this book is a book that reminds about God's grace, God's love, God's hope, and that there will be a restoration. The nation sinned against God. They went into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And probably as part of this reading, that they were sitting here, there, if you read Isaiah 43, 1, it's like complaining that God has forgotten us. But God, in response of their desperation, maybe complains. We see Isaiah prophesying this. These stories of Isaiah's prophecy after captivity of Israel gives us hope of the new beginning. Israel had past experiences of captivity, challenges, hopelessness, feeling, and felt forgotten. And that's exactly what I felt. My first experience of the church coming from the background, I came to the church, a small church, as a new believer. And so I was given a small room where I would stay because I cannot go home and kind of kicked away. And people would come to the church service just like today, celebrate, sing, dance. In Africa, there's a lot of dancing. Hallelujah. And then after the church service, everybody would go home and I'm left behind in the church compound, lonely. Very lonely. And maybe I thought, I missed, I... I I lost my family. I thought I came to church. I would find family and everybody has gone with their family. So I'm in this place. That drove me to prayer. But even with that kind of feeling, desperation, 
God would always remind me that God is a God of new beginning. He restart our lives. He put a restart pattern in our lives. And so as we look at the nation of Israel and to learn from what Isaiah is saying this and giving this prophecy as a prophecy of hope and deliverance, even today in our lives, we need to understand that when this kind of feelings kicks in and we feel that we are hopeless, we always need to remind ourselves that God has a new beginning for us. So that we, we may not give up on things. To me, he did. To you, he can do it today. And I'm sure in some way, somehow, he's giving you a new beginning. And so I started asking myself questions, not only about the children of Israel, not only about Abraham. I also started looking at the life of Jesus' disciples. I like going back to Matthew 4, when Jesus was walking along the shore of, along the, shore of the sea, and he saw two brothers fishing. And he looked at them and said, come and follow me. And the scripture says, if you read Matthew 4, 18, they immediately, they left their boat and followed Jesus immediately. Jesus said, come and follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Later on, he went on and he saw the two sons of Zebedee fishing with their father. The scriptures were so clear. It says that they were fishermen. And they left their dad, they left the boat, they left their fishing business, and they started following Jesus. That journey of following Jesus was not easy. At times they would question, actually Peter at one point asked Jesus, what do we get? We left our business, we left our family. So what do we get? What is this? And I'm sure there's so many times they felt maybe it's time to pack and go back to our business. It's full of challenges, temptations, and difficulties. Maybe we need to stop following Jesus. And I think there's so many times I felt at the beginning of my ministry when I felt, God, I made a wrong decision. My family put all those pressures on me as a way of winning me back to the faith. But thank God because he's God of new beginning. And so as... As we read and look at all these things, Jesus said, come and follow me. Friends, I want to say this. The journey of following Jesus has a lot of challenges, temptations, and difficulties in it by itself. But yet, God is always there to give us new beginnings. He's always there. And so as we read this, I started asking myself a question. If we are trusting God for the new beginning, if we are looking forward to a new beginning, how can we trust God for a new beginning? Because we all want new things. People want new cars, right? This country is a country of new things. So you've, you have iPhone 13, and now you are iPhone what? iPhone 15? It's even difficult to follow what is happening in this country because if you have a, a bit of an old house, you want a new house. You need a new suit. You need, I mean, new things. Who doesn't want new things? I want new things. So this looking forward to new things is always there. That's why all anniversaries, we want to renew our relationship. We want to do 
make it new. Yes, I've been in this, but I want to sit in a new way. That's why God is interested in new beginnings. So that we will not give up. So how are we going to trust God for the new beginning? I use the word trust God because it is only God who is able to make things new in our lives. If we have a, something that we are going on and disturbing us and challenges and we are stuck into the, in those things, God can make them new. New relationship. New faith. New hope. New desires that pleases him. And as I read these scriptures, I want to share with you about three things shortly. Suggest, a suggestion of the things that we can trust God for as we read in Isaiah. Now, how are we going to trust God for the new beginning? Number one, Isaiah pros, uh, proposes to us in verse 18, sorry, 16 to 18. This is what he tells the children of Israel because they are really waited for 70 years in the captivity and maybe hopelessness and in those things and they are wondering whether there will be hope for them again to go back to Jerusalem, the broken Jerusalem and all kind of stuffs that they were struggling with. Verse 16 says, this is what the Lord says. I like this. As I said, this is what the Lord says. I mean, if somebody comes to me and say, this is what I am saying, I know you're just a human. People promise you something today and they'll not be found. You can't trust people so much, isn't it? There are so many people I promise at the beginning of my ministry and many people will come and I will stand with you, I will be with you. And then you realize they don't even call you back. That's why the Bible says that cast is the man who trusts this man. So here Isaiah is saying, this is what the Lord is saying. So that they know it is not Isaiah who is saying, it is God who is saying. So if it is God, we can trust him. We can trust God when he, if he is saying. And so he says, this is what the Lord is saying. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and the reinforcement together, they lay there never to raise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Then in verse 18, he said, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Number one, if you want to trust God for the new beginning, we need to forget the former things. Now I started asking myself about former things. What are these former things? Why do we need to forget the former things? How can we forget them? Why did God have to be very specific to tell them forget the former things? When we read about the former things that Isaiah mentioned, he says, God who makes the way through the mighty waters and chariots. This draw us to what God was doing in Exodus 14 when he took the whole nation out of Egypt and made a way for them through the, through, through the Red Sea. They walked on the ground. They saw God's great deliverance. The army that came after them perished in the same water where they had the path and the highways through. So I said, those are former things. But it seems that they are stuck in those former things. They are stuck. They were not able to move on. And so Isaiah here says that do not dwell on the past. 
And I asked myself question, why would God say that? Yes, for a while we can remember that God did that, but God do not want us to stuck there. Then it becomes just a history in our free church, first free church. You know, we are that. Yes, we know. Yes, all those things happen, but God wants to do new things in this place. He's a God of new days. You have new things. That's why the scripture says in Lamentation, it says every day his mercies are new. Every day it's new. You wake up in the morning, you, you look up to heaven and said, give me something new today, God. Thank you for yesterday, but give me new things. That's how I pray. And so he said, do not stuck in the former things. God do not want us to just stuck there because he knows that the former things can become a stumbling block to trust God for the next thing. Former things becomes an experience. Former things stands on the ways of the new things. And so he said, move away from it. Actually, it's so interesting when you read how Isaiah changes, verse 16, verse 16 to 18, and then very quickly in verse 18, he changes and he says this. He says, forget the former things. Now, you mentioned God did those things while you are coming out of Egypt. You saw those great deliverance. Even in the Babylonian captivity, the same God who delivered you from the hands of Pharaoh, is able to restore you back to Jerusalem. So do not, do not stuck there. Just remember that for a while. But do not stuck there. That's what he says. And so forget the format in do not dwell. And then in verse 19, the second thing, say forget the formatting. And then the second thing is trust God for the new beginning. Not only forgetting, yes, we remember a little bit of that. You took us through that, but we will not still stay there. He says, trust me for the new beginnings. You know, as they think about this, they know that there's so much challenge in being for 70 years in Babylon. It has been a very long time. If you read about some of the prophecies, they said we every day thought about Jerusalem. We could not even sing. We could not even praise. We could not even worship our God. It was a land of captivity, land of just enough. They longed to go back to Jerusalem. And so in this verse 18, sorry, verse 19, Trusting God for the new beginning. I looked at this actually. Why? Why is this important? Number one, God is able to make things, new things happen. And to them in these scriptures, he says, some of the new things that God said he will do, he said, I am going to do, it will spring up, don't you perceive? I am making a way in the wilderness. Earlier I shared with you about my story of this desert. When you are in the desert of northern Kenya, my time, and you walk, we didn't have a GPS like the way you have GPS today. We didn't have campers. So when people are crossing through the desert, because it's flat and it doesn't have a landmark, no, no mountains or whatever, you carry a spear because people walk with the spears Sometimes you'll meet lion and hyenas and all those animals. 
At night when you sleep, the head of the spear will point towards the direction that you are heading to. So that's how people sleep. So that when you wake up, you get confused, you get lost in the desert. And because of the heat, you will die. There's nobody who lives in the desert. Sometimes tribes at the corners of the desert. The deserts that the nation of Israel came through going to Babylon was the same. But God is saying something new that I'm going to do. I am going to make a highway. Think of a place that has no roads. God is saying, I am going to do something new. There's something else that he says about, I am going to cause a river. He says, rivers are making away in the wilderness and streams in the, will, in the wastelands. And so friends, by using this, I always say that God is able, if we trust him for new things, God is able to do them. I don't know what you are trusting God for this in your life today. I really don't know. There are so many things. I started praying. I started praying crazy things. My wife calls me crazy things. I want to thank my wife. She's following us online and watching online. And I want to say this in front of everyone. I want to thank God for my wife. She stuck to me during those very difficult times. And sometimes I will tell her, we are going to take the gospel to the ends of the world. And she looks at me. You are not even being able to provide food for us. We don't have even enough. How will you take the gospel to the nation of the world? I am here today standing in this country because God is true. God is true. I am standing here. And this is just to tell us that it is not about us. It is about God and what he can do. So I started praying and you know, I walk around, I, I, I write the name of the people group on the wall and I stand next to the wall and I pray. I said, give me, you, you said, ask me for the nation. And I started asking God for all the 14 people groups in my region. And today I can report back to you, all of them are engaged. All of them are indigenous missionaries and their churches planted and leaders being developed. It is possible with God. And God did not stop us there. So I told my wife, we are on the last town of Kenya. And so we need to move to Nairobi so that we can coordinate. Today, Lifeway Mission, with all its network and partners, we are serving in 24 countries. Any place from south of Egypt to, to South Africa and in between all the countries. It is possible. So people will ask. I remember one of the leaders here one day asked me, what's your budget? <laughs> I looked at them. My budget? I don't know. He said, how can you do ministries and you don't know your budget? Now, I can make a budget and a good budget. I can find people to help me budget. So I asked him, where will I go and raise my money? I work among the people. And earlier I had been influenced so much by the work of Hudson Taylor, who started ministries in China. I read his life and everything. There is a statement that he made and said, God's work done in God's way will not lack God's provision. God, you trust him, he is able to provide. And today, by God's grace, life a mission we've seen in the last few years, over 18,000 churches planted, over 157 unreached people groups being engaged with our team, and we've seen over half a million new disciples made. Just in last quarter, We've seen over 5,000 new disciples made in just three months. An average of two churches being planted every day in the parts of the world that I come from. It is possible with God. 
And so how are we going to trust God for the new thing? Lastly, we can depend God for new, begin new possibilities. Amen? We can depend God for new possibilities. You see, people said this is possible in Africa. It is not possible in North America when we talk about movements. I lead over 52 movements. And when we talk about movement, we are talking about 100 churches in four generations through a period of time. And we've seen something like that, 52 of them in our region that I catalyzed, train, and coach. I saw that. This is so people said it happens there, it doesn't happen there. And I said, we don't have an American God and we don't have an African God. My Bible tells me God is one. Right? Do you believe so? So if God works there, I should be working here. The problem is not because God cannot do it. The problem is because sometimes we have a thinking and a belief that stands on the way that he works in one part of the world well and in other parts of the world he doesn't do well. The difficulties are in our mind. It is not in God. We can trust him. And so lastly, as I share with you this, depend on God for new possibilities. It is possible for God to, give, to make uh, roads in the wilderness. God to provide waters for animals. Actually, in verse 20, he said, the wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide in the wilderness. And the streams in the wasteland to give drinks to my people, my chosen people, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Friends, I want to encourage each one of us today. All things are possible with God. The scripture says so well, it is possible with God. It might look impossible with us, but it is possible with God. Are you going through something today? Do you feel that you're stuck in the former things? Do you feel like maybe like, what the Israel says that maybe we've been forgotten and I want us to remind ourselves today God is about to do new things. You can trust God for new things. Recently, I will finish by this. Every year, Lifeway has an annual meeting of bringing the people from the rest of the world to come our center, those who have been equipped and trained and catalyzed. Two months ago, Ken was there. Ken is seated here. We had people from 47 countries, some from here, coming together with the rest of the world, talking about disciple-making movements. And God used that small place to catalyze the rest of the world. What are you trusting God for today in your life? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are God of a new beginning. Even when we are helpless, feel disappointed. That we have no way out of our situations. Sometimes we find ourselves coming to the point. We make ourselves believe that it is impossible. You promised the children of Israel that you are going to do new things. And they need to forget the format. And Father, help us to move away from the former things, former experiences, disappointment, even our own former sins that stands on the way for us not to believe in the new things that you are about to do. Thank you for brothers and sisters who are here this morning to worship you. That to each one of us in a new way, help us 
to trust you for the new beginnings in our lives and in our families. Thank you for the opportunities of opening your word that you give us new hope, new ways of looking at our own situation because you are God of a new beginning. In Jesus' name.